Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Maybe you're new in your walk with the Lord and it's a struggle. It is a challenge. It's a battle. It's a war, but it's a winnable war. You want to stay in the Word. That's going to be feeding you and strengthening you so you can be consistently being transformed. Uh, you want to get away from things that, that you tend to fall into, that you tend to be tempted or fail in. As many doors as you can shut on the enemy, you want to shut those doors. It might be relational doors or habit doors. Shut them and get yourself into a place where you can grow and be strengthened in the Lord. As a Christian, have you ever felt trapped by sins that you can't seem to conquer? Have you tried as hard as you can to move on from your past with no results? In today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that it doesn't matter what you've done or where you're currently at in your walk with the Lord. He will always redeem you and is working everything for your good. When your mistakes seem impossible to overcome, turn to God and He will deliver you every time. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Nehemiah chapter 13 as he continues his message. Things that hinder lasting change. Sometimes people struggle with lasting change because your heart commits to something. Your flesh is still very weak. And if you leave the door open, if you leave access to your flesh is weak and you're going to fall. We got sometimes when when God calls us away, we got to get away. There are people that God has maybe called you out of a relationship. You got to be gone. You got to disconnect, drop the number, block the caller. You got to get far away and, until you're strong enough to, to encounter that again. God calls you out of alcohol. You can't be at the bar. You ain't ready for the bar. You can't be there to hang out. You, you need to be getting water somewhere. You need to be away from that environment. And so there are times where we have to be, we got to make that call for ourselves. I don't want to, because I want to be consistent in change. I want to be vic- victorious over, over time. I want to put myself in the best situation. Nehemiah comes in and sees that there's a weakness. And yeah, he puts things in place, but he also removes the ongoing temptation. This, you guys are not going to be here every week tempting people to sin against God on the Sabbath day. I'm going to run them out of here for that reason. Now, moving on, it says in verse 22, Nehemiah says, And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should go and guard the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. So the Levites, now that they've been brought off the field, they, they got to go get cleansed and ceremonially in order to serve once again, and they're going to be guarding the gates. That's the job that he's going to give them to do. The second part of verse 22, and it's the second time Nehemiah says, remember me. He says, remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of your mercy. And I want you to note this, because this is, this is what screams to me in this chapter when I see Nehemiah say, remember me, three times. I feel like Nehemiah is saying, God, I'm doing this for you. And I'm sure that there was a part of him whose his heart was broken to see the he had put so much effort, so much work into getting the walls rebuilt, seeing the people restored and putting things in order and the law being read and organizing all the Levites and the leaders so that people could understand the word of God. That it had to be heartbreaking for him to come back and just see that, man, they didn't take. They're not doing it. And he's just saying, God, remember me. Just remember what I did do. Maybe you're a parent and you did your part. You loved your children. You raised them up in the way they should go. You poured in God's word to them and and then you see them go off. It's heartbreaking. 
And maybe that would be the cry of some parent. Lord, remember, just remember me. I did do it. I, I did train him up. You know, I like to encourage parents. You know, the, the proverb that said, if you train up a child in the way he should go when he's old, he won't depart. And I call it the boomerang program that, you know, we we, we, we you throw a boomerang out. It, it, it comes back eventually. You know, so if, if you raise them up in the way they should go and then we continue to pray, God, bring them back. Bring bring whatever it takes, whatever it's going to ha- whatever it needs to happen in their life. Bring them back to you. But. We want to be able to say, Lord, remember me. I, I did train them up. I did teach them. I did lay a solid example before them. That's what I hear the cry of Nehemiah's heart. He's, I think he's heartbroken that the people haven't kept God's word. And so he's saying, Lord, just remember me. Remember what I did because I did it for you. And so thankfully, even though the people haven't been faithful, God is able to distinguish between Nehemiah's faithfulness and the people's unfaithfulness. And the same is true in your life. If there's some area that you serve and you're not seeing great fruits, God is able to see your faithfulness despite the response of people. If you're a faithful parent, a faithful leader, a faithful witness to a friend, a faithful whatever it is, God's able to distinguish between your faithfulness in service to him and maybe the lack of response from somebody else. He can differentiate between the two. Now, verse 25, it says, I'm sorry, 23 It says, in those days, I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon and Moab. And half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one or the other people. So if you guys remember, they have been forbidden from intermarrying in this way. The the people of God were not to marry or give their children in marriage to the pagans around them for this reason. Again, I want to clarify this every time I say it, not because it's no problem with mixing of races. The problem is believers and non-believers coming together. That's always been and it continues to be a problem uh, with the Lord. God says, I want believers to marry believers. And so they were defying that rule, that law. And you have believers, you had, you had the children of God marrying women from Moab and Ammon and Ashdod. These are women that are coming from places that don't worship the true and living God. They don't worship the same God. They don't believe the same things. And so they got kids together and the kids don't even know the language of Judah. They speak the language of Ashdod. Now, this is what happens too. Maybe, maybe you have a mixed marriage. And this can happen if you got a believer and a non-believer and the kids roll with the non-believing parent. You've got a kid. It's your kid. And you want I'm certainly you want them to know the Lord. And you got another parent that says, ah, we don't got to go to church. Ah, I don't necessarily believe that. I don't agree with that stuff. That's a parent. They can pour that into your own kids. It's a difficult situation to raise a kid with one believing parent and a non-believing parent. Whether you're together, some of you guys have children that you're not even with the person anymore. You got to believe it or non-believer. It's difficult, difficult to sow in truth because your child's fallen nature is going to gravitate toward the parent that's not calling them to live up to God's standard. And so they have defied the Lord in this thing. And so Nehemiah is going to contend once again. We've seen that word a few times, but we see it again in verse 25. It says, so I contended with them. I told you he was a man of action. He takes strong action here. It says, I I contended with them and I cursed them. I struck them. I struck some of them. 
He didn't hit all of them. He just hit some of them. I pulled out their hair and made them swear by God, saying, you shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons for yourselves. So Nehemiah takes strong action here. He cursed them. He struck some of them. He pulled out their hair and made them swear to God that they would not do this anymore. Now, someone's listening to this saying, is that biblical? Is this okay? Is this all right to do? Evidently, it was all right to do here. I don't know if New Testament churches, I don't recommend, I don't recommend you pastors today doing this thing, but Nehemiah, he did this. He took strong action. He took strong action against this behavior. Here's what's interesting to me. Because Nehemiah and Ezra are contemporaries, right? They're they're dealing with the same issues at the same time. If you're a note taker, you can write down Ezra chapter 9, verse 3. And in Ezra, when he dealt with the exact same issue of the people intermarrying with pagans, Ezra 9, 2 and 3, for they have taken some of the daughters, their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons, so that the holy seed is mixed with the peoples of those lands, indeed, the hand of the leaders and rulers has been foremost. So the leaders were part of the sin here. So when I heard this thing, I tore my garment and my robe, and I plucked out some of the hair of my head and beard and sat down astonished. And I thought this is really interesting. You got Ezra, who is grieved and astonished and tore his own robe, and he plucked out some of his own hair. You got Nehemiah dealing with the same issue and he he goes after the people. And I, I genuinely believe these are two different styles, two different types of leaders. I don't think one is wrong and one is right. I think these are different kinds of guys and they dealt with the same thing in different ways. Ezra kind of internalized. Nehemiah said, y'all gonna feel this, you know. Here's what was, to, here's what was the same. They both were moved to action when they saw that people were defying God in this thing. Neither one of them cared a little bit. They both cared a lot that God's word wasn't being honored, that what God wanted wasn't being done, and it impacted them greatly, both guys. Question you could ask yourself, do you care about what God cares about? Because one of the things that will keep you from being consistent in your relationship, consistent in, in your transformed life, consistent, it'll, it'll challenge you from being a, living a consistent life as a believer is, is not caring about what God cares about, getting distant from the Lord. And so somehow the people that got to a place where they were okay, these are the leaders are doing this. And I guess if the leaders were doing it, then probably the people were doing it. But they were intermarrying with whoever they wanted to. And even though God had said before not to do this thing, they didn't care about what God cared about. And that's a trap. That's, a, that's something that will keep you from walking in consistent transformation. It'll keep you from living a changed life. It's just because you don't care about what God cares about, then it's, it kind of leaves room for your flesh to just run rampant and do whatever you want. Nehemiah cared, Ezra cared about what God wanted, not just in their own life, but they cared about what God wanted in the nation. And these guys were willing to do whatever they needed to do as leaders to set things back in order. Uh, they didn't stand by and do nothing. They didn't, they didn't sit, sit on their hands and not care. They both did something about it. Uh, they just did, they, they went at it different ways. So 
Back to Nehemiah again, he, he went after these people. He, he's a, Nehemiah is punishing these people. He struck them. He, he plucked out beards. He made them swear by God. He's, he's, he's disciplining them and saying, what are you guys doing? He's making a big deal about their sin because their sin is a big deal. And I'll just say this. Nehemiah is smacking them, pulling out their hair and their beards. is nothing compared to what God would do if they continue to live this way. It's a precursor, but it's, it's nothing compared to to what the Lord would do. And so he comes strong at the people here. Verse 26, it says, now he's given them again, he's given them a biblical example why you guys shouldn't do this. He said, did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations, there was no king like him who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women caused even him to sin. Should we then hear of you doing all this great evil, transgressing against our God by marrying pagan women? Here's another thing that'll keep you from living a, living a life of lasting change is when you can't take examples from those that have gone before you. When you can't learn from those that have gone before you and you got to have your own mistakes, that'll keep you from living out lasting change. Some of the best lessons we can get are when somebody else messes up. And you can say, ooh, Lord, help me. Help me not to do that. And you can learn from somebody else. Have you guys ever been driving and you was going faster than you were supposed to be going and somebody in front of you gets pulled over? What do you naturally do? You see somebody pulled off to the side by the CHP when you're speeding. What do you naturally do? And maybe I'm just, <laughs> maybe I'm just blasting myself. My, my foot comes off the gas. I naturally slow down and say, whoa, you know, that could have been me, you know. I want to learn from that person's error and slow myself down right now. And so we want to be able to learn from others that we don't have to make all the mistakes, that we can benefit from the mistakes of others that we learn from them instead of having to repeat them all. Verse 28 now, it says, And one of the sons of Joida, the son of Eliashib the high priest, was a son-in-law of Samballot the Horonite. Therefore, I drove him from me. And so again, we got another person here. Sam Ballot, if you guys remember him, him and Tobiah were adversarial to Nehemiah the whole time he was trying to do the work. And as Nehemiah comes back, he says, look, one of the sons of Joida, the son of Eliashib, the high priest, who was son-in-law of Sam Ballot, these guys are mixed up in marriages together. Um, he says, I drove them out from before me. And he should have. Th those people had no business being in the house of the Lord are mixed up with the people of God. But the leaders that were left in charge, their compromise brought all this about. Verse 29, Nehemiah says, Remember them, O my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Thus I cleanse them of every pagan thing, of everything pagan. I also assign duties to the priests and the Levites, each, each to his service. And so Nehemiah said, Lord, remember them. Remember what they did. Remember how they brought this upon. And I, I just want you to see the distinction because he says, remember me for the work I've done for the house of the Lord. Then he says, remember me concerning this, this thing here and, and have mercy on me. And, 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 and once more in verse 31, he's going to say, remember me for good. But God, he says to God, remember them, though, for the evil that they did, how they did. They were corrupted your word, how they didn't obey the law, how they defiled the priesthood. He says, Hold that to them. This is something that I hope will help you guys. It's a truth in Scripture that I think will save us from 
maybe sometimes being bitter or taking things further than we should take them. When we see wrong done by others, it is not our job to necessarily, you know, bring about final judgment. Like there's there's some stuff that we look at and it's it's great injustice or it's great evil or it's great wrong. And sometimes people get all stirred up and they want to do something about it. And sometimes, you know, Nehemiah says, Lord, remember them. I know they got to deal with you one day. And sometimes we see these things and we, we wonder, God, what, what is that's wrong? It's wicked. That's how they get away. They're going to get away with that evil, wicked thing. And God's like, no, no, not really. Everybody's going to give an account to me eventually. Everybody. And so remember that when you see injustice, when you see wickedness, when you see calamity, when you see things that are just, just blow your mind that people have done these things. When we see things in the church that shouldn't be in the church and we see people doing things that ought not, that we say, God, you're going to deal with that. You're going to deal with that. When people do stuff to you, God says, look, don't, don't you deal with it. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Just, God, give it back to you. One, everything, every wrong will be righted eventually. Everybody will deal with dad eventually. And so Nehemiah says, God, remember them. Understandably, he's upset with these guys. He can't believe they did what they did and they bummed him out. But he says, God, you remember what they did. They, they're accountable. I'm accountable to you and so are they. Remember that. Some people are so focused on other people, they're forgotten you're going to give account to God for you. You need to be dealing with yourself. I need, when I come to the word, primarily this is a mirror for me to deal with me. My, my primary thing when I come to the word is not figuring out what to tell somebody else. I'm still a work in progress. I'm still under construction. Be careful of that mindset where you're looking at other people's errors. Just commit them to the Lord. God, continue to work in my life. Continue to make me the man that you want me to be or the woman that you want me to be. Forgive me where I'm struggling. Lord, strengthen me where I'm weak. Lord, help me. Uh, when I see errors, in other, Lord, help me not to fall into those same traps. Keep me from that. I don't know how they got there, but keep me from that. Keep me from falling into that trap, that hole. Uh, Lord, help me to be mindful of the things in me that are that, are that you know, terrible in your sight. So just keep, keep, it, keep it there with the Lord. God, I'm, I'm, work on me. Work on me. I, I see those things. I commit them to you. I know, they'll deal, I know you'll deal with them. Eventually, then the last part, 31 and 32, he says, and bringing the wood offering and the first fruits at the appointed time. And so um, Nehemiah, after he cleansed everything pagan, he reassigned the priestly duties and all the things. It's just he put things back in order for, for the worship of the Lord. When he got there, it was out of order. People were living in a temple that shouldn't be living there. Ties weren't coming in. The Levites were back to work in the fields. He's gotten all this stuff back in order. And this is what he says finally in verse 31. He says, remember me, oh my God, for good. Nehemiah ends this book saying, God, just remember me. What I want you to remember me for is good. And I, I want to just say this as we end this book. That's the note that he ends on. Lord, remember me for good. And I, I think that's, a, that's an awesome word. Every one of us is going to be remembered for something, right? Everybody's going to die one day if we're not raptured. What would, what would, not just the Lord, first, what would people remember you for? But more importantly, what would the Lord remember? The Lord who sees everything. I want the Lord to remember me for good. I know everything I do is not good. But I want there to be a lot of good that I'm doing. I'm still a work in progress. Like I said, we all are. But could we pray that? 
Lord, remember me for good. What good would he remember you for? Nehemiah says, God, I, I'm doing this. I straighten up that. I, 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 when I see your word says this, I try to bring that into order. Remember that. Remember me for that, Lord. And I would just encourage you guys. That, you know, My pastor used to always say this thing, and I loved it. He said, only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. This life is we're living it, but we're living it very fast. We don't know when it's going to end, but it's going to, the Bible says our life is but a vapor. And we want to spend this life so well on the Lord that when it's all said and done, God, remember me for the, remember the things that I did that, that concerned you. I, I would encourage you guys, as again, as we end the book of Nehemiah, here's a man whose life was meaningful. He's a regular dude, had a job, cupbearer. Then he had a burden. Then he had prayer. And the Lord gave him privilege and opportunity to go. And God gave him great, great you know, favor. And he got all the things he needed to build the wall. And he assembled people together and teams together and things together. God made Nehemiah into a great leader. But where did he start at? He started as a man who cared about what God cared about. He ends this book as a guy that cares about what God cares about. Start to finish, Nehemiah is a man that says, God, I care about what you want. Right? When I heard the walls were broken down, it broke my heart because I know that's not what you want. And at the end of the book, Lord, when I'm seeing people jack up and tear things up, I did my part to put it in order. But please remember me for the part that I did of setting it in order. I've been a part of doing your stuff. I've been a part of, I've been on your team this whole time. That's what my life has been dedicated to. What would be said about your life? What would you say about your life, where it stands? Is it being used on the things that God cares about? Do you find that you care about the things that God cares about? As I wrap this up, again, the title of the chapter was Things That Hinder Lasting Change. In the people, they didn't fear the Lord, so they didn't have lasting change. They didn't respond rightly to the word of God, so they didn't have lasting change. Soon as Nehemiah was gone, he couldn't see what they were doing. They weren't mindful of the Lord, and they went back to their old ways, and so they didn't have lasting change. And they didn't love one another. For them to let the Levites go back to work, they, they didn't leave. They didn't have lasting change. And then they, they kept around them temptations. Nehemiah had to put away the temptation. They kept things around them that would keep them falling, keep them stumbling. And so they weren't seeing lasting change. It didn't last very long. And so maybe you're new in your walk with the Lord, and it's a struggle. It is a challenge. It's a battle. It's a war, but it's a winnable war. You want to stay in the word. That's going to be feeding you and strengthening you so you can be consistent being transformed. Uh, you want to get away from things that, that you tend to fall into, that you tend to be tempted or fail in. As many doors as you can shut on the enemy, you want to shut those doors. There might be relational doors or habit doors. Shut them and get yourself into a place where you can grow and be strengthened in the Lord. And don't be forgetful. Right? Don't forget today what you committed to do yesterday. Don't forget today what you committed to do under conviction a week ago. The things that God spoke to you under the conviction of his spirit, however long ago, make sure you're still being faithful to those things today. And God will continue to change you. The Holy Spirit will continue to work in the lives of those that are allowing him to transform them by his spirit, through his word. I want to close with this thought. Here's the important part about a transformed life. It's not your power because we're all weak, right? It's God's power. The Bible says that it is he, God, who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God works in you to want to do and then to be able to do his good pleasure. 
And so I encourage you guys that we would yield to the Lord like never before. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Pastor Bill is making his way through the book of Nehemiah. When Nehemiah got to Jerusalem and saw all the work that he needed to do, he knew just how to motivate the people to get on board with his plan. Read with me in Nehemiah 2, verses 17 through 18. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Do your hands need strengthening for the work in front of you? Look no further than the hand of God. Remember his faithfulness in everything that he has done. But none of us were ever meant to do this alone. Are you looking for a community where you'll be supported and loved? Then come see us at Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Let's rise up together. You can find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. There you'll find everything you need to know and a lot of bonus material for your personal study. For those of you further away, come be in virtual community with us through Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We live stream our Sunday services. And with that, we've come to the end of our time together today. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to come again to A Transforming Word.